Man, great to have you guys with us here, and uh, we are launching a new series today. And uh, we're in Romans chapter 8, Gospel Deep, His Glory Experienced. His Glory Experienced. And last night I woke up at 5.55, it said on the clock, and I had no idea if it was 5.55 or 6.55. Do you know what I'm saying? And now I'm like, uh uh-oh, did Jonna change the clock? Does the clock change on its own? Was I supposed to change the clock? What time is it? I sit up and I'm like, man, I could be late. This could be really bad. So I'm like, hey, Jana. She's sound asleep. Jana. I kind of, I, you don't even know this. I said your name out loud. Jana. Sound asleep. I'm like, I don't know what to do. So I went back to bed. <laughs> I did. I'm like, she must have got it, and if not, we'll figure it out, and I'll just rush in here a little bit early. Isn't it amazing, though? There's a point in time where you start work, when you don't know if what you're looking at is right or wrong, when you're not sure if it's to be trusted or not, it starts stirring within you a little bit, and, and you have to decide what you're going to do with it. And It's like when you're getting on the TV channel, or you're listening to something on the internet or whatever, and you decide you're going to buy it, right? But you're just not sure, and then it says underneath, satisfaction guaranteed. You're like, well, hey, if it's guaranteed, right? Or money back guarantee. We'll even pay for shipping. Okay, now, now they must mean it, right? And and we start leaning in on. As we look today at the first four verses of Romans chapter eight, it's all about that topic. The guarantee. Can I trust it? Is this something I can lean on? As we've walked through Romans chapters 1 through 7, we've seen uh, the wobbliness of our own worship, the brokenness of us before Him, and the solution of Christ for us, and everything in Him. And then Romans 7, yeah, there's victory over sin and victory over death, and yet we're experiencing a day-by-day battle. And he ends it with, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. He closes with an exclamation point that it all rests in Christ. And uh, so he starts out Romans 8 as we get into a passage that's all about this Holy Spirit, Romans chapter 8. And he's like, we better understand how much we can count on him. Guaranteed. Uh, that's the name of today's sermon. And uh, so we're going to be walking through Romans chapter 8. we got ushers coming forward, and they've got Bibles in their hands. So if you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, all right? Romans 8, verse 1. Just keep your hand raised. They'll get a Bible to you. We're going to walk verse by verse through these first four verses. Uh, what do we need to know about this guarantee, and what do we need to do? First point. There is no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. Celebrate your freedom and security. Celebrate your freedom and security. There is no condemnation for those who trust in Jesus. Absolute guarantee, absolute security. He starts out, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is therefore, and when we see the therefore, we say... What's the therefore? Therefore, it's a connecting word. It's a huge, important connecting word. You see it all over in scripture. Watch for that word. It means, hey, the thing you were just reading before had a lot of impact. In fact, here's a little bit of it. Okay. 
And uh, so what is he connecting it to? Well, certainly the prior five verses, at least, if not even going back to chapter five there, where he's talking about Adam and Christ. But definitely these last four or five verses, look at verse 21 of chapter seven. He says, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law, waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. There's a battle going on. I find myself to be schizophrenic. I can't, I can't figure it out. I, I want it, but then at the same time, I'm doing the very thing I wouldn't want necessarily. And, and I seem to be turning towards what would feel good in the moment. And God, what's up with that? And he's like, there's a war going on. Verse 24, he describes it. Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I can't wait till this flesh thing is done. That's what he's saying, right? Verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with the flesh, I serve the law of sin. Thanks be to God. His connecting is, yes, there's a battle, but we have a king over the universe. And he's working with us day by day. He's transforming us moment by moment. He's taking us from one degree of glory to the next. He's declared over us that we are righteous. And now he's making it true one degree at a time. For those who trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, that's our hope. That we have a God at work in us and that we have a battle being waged with him. We're not alone in it. In fact, he goes one step further. He says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. There is hope. There is security. There is safety. No condemnation. What does that mean? Well, let's start with, I can tell you what it doesn't mean. All right. This is what it does not mean. Everybody say not. This is what it does not mean. When it's promises, no condemnation, it does not mean, hey, there'll never be a struggle. Life's going to be easy, man. That is not the promise. All right. It does not mean uh, no pain. There will never be pain in this world. Once you come to Jesus, it's just going to be easy sailing and all like happy living, man. That is not what it means. It doesn't mean no struggle. It doesn't mean no pain. And it doesn't mean that this broken world won't have some sting at times. It doesn't mean that. In fact, we're told often in scripture that there is a struggle that God's going to walk us through, that he is going to take us down a path that Really, quite frankly, if we had the choice, we might choose not to go down, but he's going to grow us in it. He's going to show us things through it. He's going to transform us as we walk that path. He does use the hurts of this world. And yeah, that is there. So what does this mean then? There's no condemnation. I'll tell you what it means. God doesn't have the next second or the minute in mind when he's talking about this. He has eternity in mind. There is no condemnation. I have your eternity secure. There is no condemnation. Trust me, you and me forever. No condemnation. We have a God who has paid the price on the cross and nothing more is needed. Nothing more. Everybody just say nothing more. Man, we better get that. Every moment we talk about the cross and we have a different gospel. 
It is Jesus Christ alone, his cross, his work, what he's doing. And he says, just faith in me and I've got the rest. No condemnation. No condemnation. And uh, I just wrote this down. Uh, Romans five seventeen. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Right, that's how all of us are born. Uh, on a path towards death immediately from the time of conception. Our bodies broken and wrestling and struggling with sin and death a part of that experience. And much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Will you reign in life and his righteousness? That's talking about here and now too, by the way. Like giving us hope for here and hope for eternity. No condemnation. None. Praise be to God. Amen. And that's our hope. There's therefore now no condemnation. We have no eternal death if we trust in Christ. We have life eternal with him. No pain, no sorrow. That side of heaven. All of it done. The brokenness of this world over. And our king being worshipped like he should be for all eternity. We have no clue what worship is going to be like. We have no sense of what it's going to be like. As there's no me in the midst of it. I can't even imagine the purity of that worship in that service for all of eternity that our guide might, our God might get his glory. And, uh, all right. Let me just say this. Truth is though, truth is there is condemnation. All right. Every one of you better be going, what? No, dude, it says there is therefore now no condemnation. Like that sounds like heresy. And uh, we just better understand there is condemnation, but it isn't from God. God does not bring condemnation upon you and me ever. But there are some places where condemnation does come from, and we need to learn to disregard, not listen to, don't hear, all right? The first, the easiest, the biggest, from Satan himself. Uh, what does his name mean? It means accuser. And he's right before you going, oh, you so don't deserve what he's doing. Are you kidding me? Look at yourself. Of course he's not good with you. And accusation and condemnation from the pit of hell. As Satan whispers what is absolutely not true, a lie. Talking into your soul what is not true. Question is, are you listening or disregarding? Condemnation. We also get condemnation from those around us. People who might mean well, but they're really walking it wrong, man. And they're challenging you to try to get that external cleaned up. And they're like, look at yourself. Clean it up, man. If you're doing that and that and that, how could you possibly think? And we start taking condemnation from a friend or a family member where they're condemning where we stand with God. I'm telling you this. If you trust in Christ as your savior. It is a journey. A progress. And there is no condemnation. Satan whispering it doesn't make it true. It's a lie. You are not condemned by him. A friend whispering it. As well intentioned as they might be. They're wrong. You need to listen to your God. He's screaming at Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation. And the last place we hear condemnation from is ourselves. 
we whisper it to ourselves, don't we? We get right in the middle of that Romans 7 thing that Paul was just going on and we're like, oh, come on. Look at you, man. Are you even trusting in Christ? Is this even real? Where are you at? I mean, are you really feeling it today? You come into church and you're like not really feeling like worshiping and feel maybe, maybe God is condemning you and maybe, right? Don't we get ourselves there where we talk ourselves into little frenzies and we start worrying ourselves as we separate from what scripture says and we start listening to the feelings inside and uh, Lord, help us to hear your whisper over the screams of our feelings. Lord, help us to ignore friendly advice that is counter to your word. Lord, help us to not hear from the pit of hell the lies that are so untrue. There is condemnation in this world. It just has no bearing. None of those names or faces or people have any authority whatsoever over your eternity. None. And listen to the one who has authority over your eternity, God Almighty. And he simply says, you come to me in faith, and I'm telling you this. I have paid for it on the cross. It is covered. There is therefore now no condemnation. I have declared over you that you are righteous, and I am now making it true in you. And it is a guarantee. I've got this thing. Come with me as we go on this adventure together. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've said it over and over. For those who have faith in him. For those who have walked the ABCs, right? A, admit that you are a sinner. You're in need of a savior, right? It's just a sports term. It means I was aiming at the target and I missed. I didn't hit the bullseye. I didn't hit the outer rings. I came up short, man. Shot an air ball. Completely whiffed. Whatever sports term you want to use. You just hit the sand in front of it and you missed. And that's what it means. And we've missed the mark of God's holiness and what he had planned for us. Admit it. And B, believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he rose again, that there is a power in him. But it's more than just some mental assent. Confess. Confess him as your Lord. You're in charge. You have me. And that's what it means to be in Jesus Christ. Those who are in Christ Jesus. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. The law of the Spirit of life. What is that? What does that mean? And uh, so I just thought the best way to define it would be let's go back to Scripture and define it there. Did you know that this law of the Spirit of life was actually spoken of in the Old Testament? And this was what the Israelites were hoping for. They didn't know exactly what it would look like, but they had the general description and they were like, Lord, bring that. And, uh, Jeremiah 31 verses 31 to 34. I'm going to read it. It's a little bit lengthy, but I'm going to read it through. It's a powerful statement of the law of the spirit of life. Jeremiah 31, starting in verse 31. It says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, not like that, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. 
And I will be their God and they shall be my people and no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. Praise be to God. New covenant hope where God's doing a work. He says that he will put the law within them. He will write it on their hearts. Just so you know, he was talking about you. He was talking about his work in your life. If you've trusted him as savior, he's like the thing I'm doing right now. The thing that I'm going to do at Harvest Bible Chapel in Peoria with those that have faith in me, I will be rocking their world as I come inside, as I take up residence, as I begin to transform no longer some external thing, some law trying to change me inside them speaking in the law written on their hearts. That's the plan. And it's not come to know him. I know you know about him, but come to it's I do know him. And Lord, I long to know you all the more. Jeremiah 31. Ezekiel said it much more directly. Ezekiel 36, 27. He said, And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to put my spirit within you and cause you. Let that settle. I'm going to put my spirit within you and the spirit will cause you to walk his presence, his glory transforming. Are you hearing it? The hope explained of the Holy Spirit in you transforming you. This is not something where you try to go muscle it and get it home, dude. That's old covenant law. We've already found that comes up short. New covenant. Holy Spirit has it. He's transforming you. Massive truth. Everybody say, that's a massive truth. I'm telling you, that's a massive truth. Let that settle that he will cause in you. Why can you say there is therefore now no condemnation? Because it's his work in you, not your work in you. Got it? It's him doing the thing, his glory transforming. It says that uh, the law of the spirit of life will set you free from the law of sin and death. Will set you free. And uh, we talked about this before with the chains, right? It means that the lock is undone. It means that the chains can be set down. It, he tells us in Romans chapter six, very clearly, right? Let not sin therefore reign. They are loose chains that you can hold or set down. We can drop them link by link. We can be done, but the lock is off, set free. You can now be cooperating with him as you set it down and he teaches you and empowers you to do that along the way set free uh, sin has no dominion over you and we've talked about that all through romans 6 and 7 if you're visiting with us today if you had just started in the last couple of weeks you might want to go back and catch up picking up romans chapter 6 and 7 some massive promises of how god works in our life as you go back to that prior series gospel deep uh, his glory unleashed all right and uh, I just wrote this down. The distinction between the law and the gospel. The distinction between the law and the gospel. One produces service by external controls and threats. The other transforms the heart to freely serve. One produces service by external controls and threats. That's the original law, the covenant. And, and it's got to some weak spot. We'll cover that in just a second. 
One produces through external controls and threats. The other transforms the heart to freely serve. See, God set up a new covenant where the Holy Spirit takes up residence and he starts working with you. And as you trust in him and as you have faith in him, he literally walks you one degree of glory at a time, transforming you. His work in you, as you worship him, as you bask in him, it changes you. And I'll just read it one more time. The law produces service by external controls and threats. The gospel, the other, transforms the heart to freely serve transforms the heart to freely serve uh all right we've talked about this a number of times gospel deep right it's not just the diving port it's the swimming pool it's the all of life so let's have a gospel deep moment here if this is true that it's not about external controls and threats it's about some internal thing and about the heart simple question gospel deep question how's your parenting in the home are you parenting using law threats Upsetness, raised voice, control, like you just are looking for the external behavior to begin to be shaped to something of what you would kind of want to see. Like at least get it looking good, man, right? And we kind of control it into place. Is that where you're at? Or are you going for heart change? Understanding that that's a God work, But your job is calling out what's really going on inside. What are you valuing right now? What are you trying to get accomplished by the way you're going? And what if we had it this way instead? And listen, parents, your job is to help shape the heart of your children to love your God, not shape their behaviors to make mom and dad happy. You hear that difference? And one of them is pleasing the parent right in front of them. And it's not wrong that you're pleased with holy behavior, okay? Don't say, but it is that if all they're doing is watching you, this is what happens. They're starting to do this. You good? You good? Okay, I'll keep going. Do you notice how they're no longer getting a, a moral compass inside them of what God thinks? They're like, you good? Oh, mom's not good anymore. Stop. Right? And in fact, it can even go so far as they'll keep doing the thing that's wrong until you're finally ticked off. They just become a good measuring stick of whether or not you seem mad. And the moment you really seem mad, then they're like, stop doing that, man. Mom will get you. And dad will say something and and be careful with. And gospel deep parenting, you're going for the heart, not just the behavior. Okay? That's what our God's all about. little side moment there. Um, We have all of this in a security. So, uh, story. Golden Gate Bridge. Golden Gate Bridge is a massive bridge stretching from two land masses, huge, high, hundreds and hundreds of feet high. Imagine being the guys that had to build that. And so I looked a little bit up on it as they were building on the Golden Gate Bridge. uh, 23 people died early on as they fell from the top and plummeted down and hit the water, which was like concrete. They were falling from so far. 23 people died. They finally said, we got to stop this. They ended up putting a safety net in place a a little bit down from where they were working. And they strung it across every spot they were working. And 10 people still slipped and fell in that next sequence of work. Every one of them hit the net. Every one of them was saved. Here's what they found, though, when they measured. The first guy that slipped and fell and hit the net, when he slipped and fell, imagine being there watching that, where he goes, whoa! And then the guy hits the net and bounces, and you're like... Yeah! Bill made it! Right? 
wouldn't you? They noticed that the work speed went up 25% and the quality improved on everything they were doing from then on. Why? Because they weren't watching every footstep they took. They weren't watching everything they were holding. There was less concern about the in the moment of them and what they had. It was covered, man. It changes how you walk. It changes how you live. It changes how you grow. Same with Jesus Christ. Man, when we think we have to manage it, it's all on us. If we slip up, it could all be lost. We're living with Romans 8, 1 being ripped out of our Bible. And we're, we're tearing as there is condemnation. And it can be brought on me and it's based on what I do. And, but if we live, there is therefore now no condemnation. Safety net in place. My Christ has it. He's doing the work on the cross. I'm trusting in him. Now let's step out and watch him do a mighty work in me. I'm telling you. You are going to be amazed at the progress God makes in your life. Trusting him, celebrating the freedom you have. That's what it's all about. Simple question. How are you doing celebrating the freedom you have? Are you trusting Christ? Are you leaning on him? I'm not talking about just some little thing that happened one time. I'm talking about daily living, Christ at the center He's got this. Let's go. Are you trusting him? Maybe let's ask it this way. Do you get this? No condemnation. Get that? No condemnation. Eternity secure. Running with my Christ. Him in charge. All right. That's where we need to be living. That's first. Second. He condemned sin and fulfilled the law. Live for him who has done what we could never do. He condemned sin and fulfilled the law. Live for him who has done what we could never do. Starting in verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. The law is perfect, right? James calls it the perfect law of liberty. The law has nothing wrong with it. Every rule, every thought is some expression of God in some way. There's nothing short in the law, but here's where it's short. It depends on me. Whoops. And I'm not really there. And I don't have strength in that area. And I'm coming up short and weakened by the flesh. That's what you and I bring to the table. A lot of help, right? And so the problem with the first covenant isn't the law. And it isn't that God didn't know this would happen, by the way. Please don't go that route. Uh, God apparently was like, well, let's try this. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, we'll try this. Like, that's not what's going on. God fully understanding, teaching us along the way, walking with us through it, saying you need to understand how short you come when you do it on your own. First covenant. Second covenant. Now I've got you. Okay, that's what's going on. It says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. How did he do it? By sending his son. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Notice this, by sending his own son, who is that? Jesus, right? Whenever whenever you get asked a question in Sunday school, it's always Jesus, right? 
Who is it? It's Jesus. And when he sends Jesus Christ, his own son, it says in the likeness of sinful flesh. No, it was not sinful flesh. It was like it. He looked like you and me, but here's the beauty of it. He did not have sin in him. How is that possible? I thought from Adam, every man was condemned right down through. It was passed through the male bloodlines. And But Jesus Christ had the Holy Spirit as his father, not mankind. Sinless. Okay? The sin passed into you and me comes from the father. Biblical truth. And so he has flesh, but it is sinless flesh. It looked like yours in my flesh in the likeness of sinful flesh and yet sinless. Praise be to God. Jesus Christ living for you and me. It says, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. He did some condemning. Here's the beauty. The reason that you and I do not have condemnation on us is because he put that condemnation on the sin. Do you hear it? He literally frees us up because as he paid the price on the cross, as he went to the cross, his shed blood, that paid a replacement payment for what you and I owe. And the condemning of the sin where it says eternity away from him is done, gone, removed for those who put their faith in him, removed. And now we have eternity with him. And the condemnation that sin would bring is done and over. In effect, he has rendered sin powerless to those who believe in him. That's what it means. Condemned sin in the flesh. Rendered sin powerless. I'm telling you, absolutely free. And now he slowly grows us on this side of heaven one degree at a time. Helping us to learn to love him more and release sin all the more. That our God might be glorified. It says... That he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. The righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Not because we act righteous, but because Christ act righteous. Are you hearing it? It's not our righteousness that got it fulfilled. It's Christ and then Christ in me. The hope we have is the new covenant command. The Holy Spirit coming in and taking up residence. The work being done in your heart. It being written on your hearts. The law. You absolutely being changed from one degree of glory to the next. How many different phrases can I use from scripture? He's got it. And that's where the righteousness comes from. Now in the midst of his righteousness and it fulfilled in us in that moment. He says, come join me. Come walk with me as I do a work in you and you cooperate with that and your work starts becoming more and more righteous as a thank you offering back to him. It's not to get saved. It's not to stay saved. It's just to say thank you along the way for his work of righteousness. That's what it looks like. The more we cooperate with him, the more he does a work in us to be transforming all the more. What an amazing privilege we have for him to do the work. And notice it says, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Great definition of those who follow Christ. They're walking according to the spirit. They're hearing what he has to say. Remember, we talked about the drawing mind, flesh, and spirit. And your mind is becoming ever more adept at hearing the Holy Spirit call and cry within you. And you're listening and responding there. Definition of saved. Okay? Is the Holy Spirit at work in you. Wow. What a privilege we have. What a safety net we have. His glory experienced starts with this. 
It doesn't depend on your works. It doesn't depend on your works. There is no condemnation because it depends on Christ and he has it fulfilled. Praise be to God. In fact, it gets this clear. So when I'm doing things well and I'm in conjunction with what the Holy Spirit is doing, I'm walking with him well and and those are easy moments to rush to his side and worship him, right? Like it's going well and I'm seeing God do a great work and I come running to him all the more and I'm like, Lord, I'm so excited about what you're doing and thank you for this work in me and thank you for the transition and like easy to rush to his side when it's going well. When it's not going well, we would tend to think, pull away, clean it up. That's not at all where we're at because we have a God who says there is no condemnation. You rush to my side with that. Let's get that thing clean. I already know about it. You're not informing me. It's not like God's sitting there and you come in and you're like, Lord, please forgive me. I just, and he went, really? That's not what's happening. God's like, I know. I've been pressing on you for that. You're beginning to sense it. Let's work on this together. Come join me in this process where I have guaranteed your righteousness. Now let's do that work. I love you and I'm doing it in you. Praise be to God. The law is fulfilled in us because of Christ and his work, not because of us and ours. We have hope. There is no condemnation. We have hope. It is fulfilled in us. We have a king who has it in hand. And he is so worth worshiping. Amen. And his name is Jesus Christ. But God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Praise be to God. Our hope in walking with the Holy Spirit, our hope in knowing him, is what Christ did on the cross in his death and resurrection. So let me just say this. It's time for us to do a little worshiping of what our Savior's done for us. We've got communion here and we're going to do a little bit of time together with that. So I'm going to ask those that are going to help serve to go ahead and get in place. This is time for us to just bring it back to him. Reflect on him, okay? So what is communion? First of all, let's make this clear. Communion does not save, okay? Everybody hearing me? Communion does not save. Communion is all about a thank you that we already are saved and we're celebrating that. And uh, so if you're here this morning and you're like, I'm not even sure what you're talking about with this whole Jesus thing, man. Like it doesn't really make sense to me and I don't know how to process it. Just do me a favor. As the bread and cup are passed, just go ahead and pass that by. I don't feel like you have to take that at all. That's This is for those who are trusting in Christ. This is your moment. If you're not sure where you're at with Christ, just take this moment prayerfully reflecting on him. Maybe this is your time to say, Lord, I commit to you for the first time. And just use this prayer time for that, okay? And go ahead and pass the bread and cup by. If you have trusted Christ as your savior, this is for you to be celebrating him, all right? And so take the bread and cup as it's passed. Hold it till the end. We'll take it together, all right? Just remember how we're doing it lately. We've got two cups stacked, right? So take it too deep. Pull up both of them. There's the bread underneath and the Uh, drink on top. All right. So take both cups stacked. And uh, as it's coming by, just take both cups and pass that. And uh, we'll just do a prayer time together here as we worship him, as we get the cup out to everybody. All right.
Let me just open us in prayer time here. Father God, no greater plan. You're amazing. You for us, your sacrifice, doing what we could never do. We worship you in this time. Just take a moment right where you are, prayerfully, quietly, to be worshiping him as we start passing the bread and cup. today as we're talking and you're like yeah but you don't know what I said last night to my spouse you don't know how I've been treating my kids this last week you don't know what I've done at work or what I've said and it's time for you to trust Jesus Christ fully bring it to him and confess and release it right where you are just take this moment to release breathing out we call it spiritual breathing right just exhaling Lord, please forgive me for whatever you need to fill in. Just confess right now where you're at. Let's get clean before him before we take this cup. breathing back in again right spiritual breathing we exhale out to confess inhaling in just celebrating who he is thank you lord for being savior redeemer rock fortress my hope my righteousness my payment my king worship you. Just take time to worship him right where you are. Son in likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. Praise be to God. Thank Him and praise Him for that. Maybe He's pressing in right now and He's like, We haven't covered this, but this needs to go now. 
something deep within, some bitterness you're holding on to, some anger or resentment that has to go, some action you hadn't thought about before and it's time to get it clean before him. Just release it before your God, exhaling out. Spiritual breathing, right? We don't just breathe once a day as we walk around physically. Let's not just breathe once a day as we're walking around with him spiritually. Just exhale out. Lord, please forgive me for what needs to go. worship again, breathing in. Lord, we're amazed with your work on the cross. Your shed blood. Your beating. Your being mocked. You for me. The only plan that would work. I'm amazed with what you do. Worship him. Heavenly Father, we worship you, we love you, we praise you, we are amazed by you, we are in awe of you. Your power and your force, your authority, your kingdom rule, your plan over all plans. You are stunning. And we're in awe of you, God. We behold your glory and we are amazed. We worship you and we praise you for your plan of salvation and so much more. It's in your mighty name I pray these things. And all of God's people said, Amen. Man, as the disciples sat together with Jesus Christ and they were hearing from him and being taught by him and understanding some and not getting a lot. Christ stood up and he tore the bread and he said, this, this is my body broken for you. They had no clue what he was talking about. The whipping, the smacks, the beating, the crown of thorns. Christ knew exactly what he was speaking of. The disciples, not yet. You and I, we have a privilege those disciples never had as we hold and talk about the bread to look backwards and reflect on what he's done in remembrance and in awe. This is his body broken for us. Take and eat. Jesus took the drink and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. Hear me on this. Nothing, 
Nothing restores our relationship with Christ but his shed blood. Nothing gives us hope but his work on the cross. Except for his plan, except for his willingness, except for his sacrifice, we are lost for eternity. Praise be to God. We can worship him with all we have. As we look back in remembrance and say, this is his blood poured out for you. Take and drink. Father God, we are amazed at a plan that brings you within our hearts and souls, writing upon us a law, changing us from within, transforming a heart, not just giving external controls, your plan of salvation so rich and free, your hope that you give through Jesus Christ. We declare your name from on top of every mountain, Lord. We worship you. We celebrate you. We are in awe of you. There is no one like you. You are our almighty king. Everything you have made, bowing in worship to you, that's what you deserve. May we behold your glory. We're in awe, Lord. It's in your mighty name I pray these things.